Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, once again back, and I want to talk real quickly uh, before we start to show off. This is not a political rant. This is just me sending out my prayers to the state of Texas and the school that was shot up this week. Um, the children of that elementary school that passed away and the teacher who was also killed. Um, anyone who was injured, anyone who was grazed, my heart goes out to them. I pray for their families. I pray for our country. And I hope that um, things like this stop happening. Um, it's weighed very heavy on my heart since it happened. And I must say, I don't know why things like this happen. I don't know what would possibly fix them. I can't claim to be a genius or someone who can fix the world's problems. But what I can say is that I hope and pray that things like this never happen again, especially to children, especially to innocent people and to people who just are going about their day and living a happy life. With that being said, um, thank you guys again for joining me here on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. Uh, we've got three quick hits tonight and two show reviews. I was not able to catch um, AEW Rampage um, this week. I know some of the highlights, I'll go into it just a bit, but um, not a full-blown review uh, in regards to that show. Um, it aired at a weird time. My DVR didn't pick it up. And then when I went to go find it on demand or on YouTube, it were bad, was bad copies that kept ending after four and a half minutes. So I read the show review uh, on a different website, uh, the results at least. And like I said, I know some of the results, and I did get to watch some of the uh, highlights. So we'll, we'll get into those, but we won't go into a full show review. Um, not so much going on this week, but enough going on that it was pretty big. So let's go into quick hits. Uh, and before we do, make sure that you crack open your favorite frosty beverage. Strap in, buckle up, and get ready as I spew my venom and my hate and my love for the world of professional wrestling. This is Quick Hits. Number one, WWE puts out an ad looking to replace, replace the position Stephanie McMahon is leaving behind. I find that to be a little weird, ladies and gentlemen. Stephanie was only supposed to be taking a couple of months sabbatical, and I understand completely that they do need someone to replace her for the time being, but why not just hire from within and promote? Um, I'm sure there are people that work for the WWE right now who can do Stephanie's job. Uh, or at least the day-to-day -day part of it. Uh, we're not asking anybody to appear on television that never has before or to act or to do anything like Stephanie used to do. So why would you put out an ad to replace your daughter, number one, to replace someone who's been such a key part of the company for so many years, number two? Number three, um, it's a little ridiculous. And she only just left less than a week ago. Well, it's been a week now, excuse me. Um, 
I, I've, I've also read reports that Stephanie is not due back anytime soon. I could have sworn that when she took this sabbatical that she said that she'd be gone for at least a few months. So, of course, that's not anytime soon. I, I expect her to be back just before the summer is completely out by probably mid-August or early September if she is to come back. But if they're not uh, expecting her back anytime soon, then we might not see Stephanie for quite a while. Uh, that encompassed with Triple H's duties being changed now that he's back in the company uh, leads me to believe that old Nick Khan is slowly but surely weeding out everyone but himself and Mr. McMahon. I'm a little bit afraid because we might see a hostile takeover somewhere down the line. Nick might buy up a lot of shares of WWE and look to give Vince a vote of no confidence and throw him off of his uh, position. And then we're stuck with Nick Khan. That's it's like being stuck with a dumb vice president as your president. Be like if Dan Quayle would have taken over for George Bush. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in any case, uh, Stephanie's position is being filled. Uh, there's a lot of other reports going on right now, such as uh, Jeff Jarrett being put into a high-level uh, company position after he was let go uh, a couple of months back. Could that have been Stephanie's position? I don't know. And then another report says that Nick Khan had the idea to run three Stadium shows this year, one of them being All Giant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, the home of the Raiders. Uh, and that ticket sales weren't doing too well, so they canceled that show and moved it to MGM Grand, that show being Money in the Bank. Um, if this is what Nick Khan has planned for, and these are his ideas and they're not doing very well, well, maybe Vince McMahon needs to continue to see how Nick does on the whole booking of big events and Maybe Mr. Khan needs to hear the we wish you best on your future endeavors, uh, in my opinion. But, yeah, there's a lot going on in the WWE these days. and kind of hoping that we don't end up seeing it become a Titanic. Number two, the WWE brand split is essentially over. Apparently, wrestlers from both Raw and SmackDown will now be appearing on Raw and SmackDown. Cody Rhodes is set to be on SmackDown this week, as is Kevin Owens, or was set to be on SmackDown this week. Kevin Owens did appear. Uh, we will see wrestlers from SmackDown, like the Usos, uh, and Roman Reigns go to uh, Raw. But, I mean, they're not unified champions of the both shows, so that's understandable. But we're going to see a lot of back and forth. The last time the brand split happened and then ended... A lot of wrestlers went without work. Uh, they were still, you know, essentially having their job, but they were not on television. If I were WWE and the brand split is over, I would send some of my main roster talent down to NXT, send some of the UK people back to NXT UK, and this way everybody's got a spot on a two-hour show. Uh you know, I, it's just what I'm thinking here. It's what I'm spitballing. If you have not enough spots then and you have four other shows, one of them on the network, by all means, use them for what you got them for. 
Uh, it's it's a little ridiculous. It's a little uh, it's a little stupid. If you want, to, they've had this brand split twice already, uh, and now they're, they're going to end it again. Uh, which means okay, unified champion. That's fine. Unified tag team champions, possibly putting uh, the women's titles together. A possible end to the women's tag team titles. Um, and then just the United States and the Intercontinental title. That's fine. WWE has too many belts as it is, but I think it's just stupid to constantly, oh, we're splitting the brands. Here's the draft. Here's this. Here's the super, super superstar shakeup. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, or whenever you feel like it's just not working anymore, yeah, we're done. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's bullshit. It really is bullshit. And number three, the USA Today ends affiliation with Ringside News based on Steve Carrera's sharing his opinion on Nyla Rose being the first AEW Women's Champion. Now, for the last few months, Carrera and his goons over at Ringside News have been sharing their thoughts about AEW on a constant basis. They have been saying things like how stupid Tony Khan is, and how bad the product is. They don't have storylines. Tony Khan's a bad booker and writer. Um, you know, Kenny Omega this, Young Bucks that. Cody Rhodes did the right thing by leaving the way that he did and all that other stuff. But that's them talking about the product. You know, the, everyone talks about Vince and the WWE as well. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> but um, what... Steve Carrera essentially said was is that Nyla Rose is a man and they allowed her to win the women's title. Well, Nyla Rose is a transgender woman. She transitioned from being a man into being a woman. Whether you agree with that or not, she is still a woman now. And AEW hired her the same way they have hired openly gay wrestler Sonny Kiss. And a few others who are openly gay, whether they be lesbian or homosexual or whatever have you. Uh, AEW has opened the door and allowed these people to come in, no matter what their sexual orientation is. It's not about sexual orientation when it comes to wrestling. You know what I mean? Um, if it were, well, then Val Venus would still be in a wrestling company. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that if you want to say Nyla Rose is not a good wrestler and she's hurt people, that's fine and well. I've said it before. She botches a lot. But I also say it about Britt Baker. I've said it about Jade Cargill. I say it about Nia Jax. I've said it about Tony Storm. Mentioned the entire women division being bad. You know what I mean? But you're singling out one person because of them being a transgender, it's just hideous. Uh, in the same regard, um, you have to shit on the WWE equally for having bad women's wrestlers as well. I've talked about the entire NXT women's breakout tournament as them being green and bad in the ring. Um, has nothing to do with them being women. It has nothing to do with them being, you know, whatever their sexual orientation is. I've said it about the men as well. There is a fine line between criticism and downright homophobic homophobia and downright just condemning a person. 
if you don't agree with their lifestyle, that's fine. But how about keep their name out of your mouth? You know, I, I think that the USA Today was right in ending their affiliation with Ringside News. Uh, they are a multi, you know, they're global paper. They're the USA Today. They go all over the country. They have no reason to be with somebody who acts like that and says childish things. You know, it wasn't like he wrote this in a professional manner. He wrote it like a five-year-old picking on another five-year-old. It's wrong. And you know what? A five-year-old would have known better. A five-year-old might not have went to the same lengths as Steve Carrera and his goons. I call them goons because they pretty much rewrite everything he writes. Uh, a five-year-old would have would have been a little more respectful. So, in any indication, ringside news, clean up your act. Because the Lord knows enough people read you, and we don't need more people having your same ugly demeanor in this world. We need many, many less people like that. So, with that being said, now on to NXT 2.0 show review. And the show opens this week with Tony D pissed off and telling us how Santos Escobar cheated last week. He gives Legato a warning and says tonight Stacks and Two Dimes will take out their opponents. As they walk out of frame, we catch a glimpse of Santos Escobar in the background. Stacks and Two Dimes are in the ring and they are taking on Malachi and Enoff. An unexpected good opener. Stacks and Dimes had some great offense, and Enoff and Malachi proved not to be pushovers. Legato showed up at the entryway. Tony D's crew hit a double team finisher and got the win in nine minutes. Definitely enjoyable, actually, here. Uh, Post match, Tony D calls Legato to the ring. A brawl breaks out, and these six men continue their hatred for one another. Mackenzie interviews Wesley, who says he's banged up but ready for his challenge against Sanga. Mackenzie tries to tell him that Sangha didn't mean any disrespect, but he said he didn't that it didn't matter. It disrespected him. I guess Lee is a giant slayer now. Lee versus Sangha, the monstrous Sangha just manhandled Lee throughout this match. He threw Lee all over the ring and did it with a smile on his face. Lee tried multiple times to fight back, but the big man continued his squash, hit his finisher, and got the win in five minutes. Correction. Lee is the giant's slayed. Post-match, Zion Quinn returns, tried to attack Wes Lee, but Sangha stopped him and showed respect for Lee. Backstage, Cora Jade pumps up Roxana Perez for her next breakout tournament match. We also see the arrival of NXT champion Braun Breaker from earlier today, and he's warned that Joe Gacy's druids are in his locker room. When he enters, he finds a picture of the Steiner family from 20 years ago. The mind games continue, and I am intrigued. We then go to uh, Electra Lopez taking on Alba Fire. Again, I'm surprised, as this is the first match that Lopez didn't botch in and actually had a good outing. Both women went back and forth, but got their shots in. Uh, Lopez tried to continue the beatdown in the corner, but Alba turned it around and finally hit her swanton bomb in the middle of the ring and got the win in four minutes. I'm happy to see everyone's picking up the pace here in NXT and finally putting on some good matches. We see the Diamond Mine, and they just found out that Roderick Strong won't be there tonight for his match. The Creed's question if he's actually hurt, and say that at NXT In Your House, they finally become tag team champions. Mackenzie interviews Fallon Henley, Briggs, and Jensen. Nikita Lyons is injured, and Henley has a buy into the finals of the breakout tournament. Or does she? Tiffany Stratton challenges her for her spot, and Fallon agrees. Roxanne Perez versus Lash Legend. 
Legend used her size advantage and kept Perez on defense. Whenever Perez tried to come back, Lash was there to knock her back down. Legend got cocky and was looking for a powerbomb, but Perez reversed it into a code red out of nowhere and got the win in four minutes. Another short women's tournament match, but at least it was good. Backstage, we see Mandy Rose in Toxic Attraction walking to the ring. Mandy warns Indy Hartwell and says she'll be sorry she made this challenge. Carter and Katana attack Toxic out of nowhere, and a brawl ensues in the back. Team Boss Botch must be looking for a tag team title shot. We then go to Mandy Rose versus Indy Hartwell. Well, Hartwell is a fantastic fantastic in singles action and Mandy Rose continues to grow at NXT, as NXT's women's champion. Rose tried for her underhand uh, moves, but Indy was one step ahead. Indy used her tall frame to hit and run and keep Mandy guessing. Tons of near falls and then a war broke out between Toxic Attraction and Carter and Katana. The distraction allowed Rose to hit her running knee and get the win in nine minutes. The women have been on tonight, I cannot lie. Post-match, Wendy Chu attacks Mandy Rose in the aisle with a loaded pillow and holds up the NXT women's title. McKenzie interviews Braun Breaker, and a clip of him playing high school football begins to play. Braun recalls that his dad not being there and cannot believe Joe Gacy found this clip. I'm loving this feud. I'm loving the mind games. Pretty deadly cut a promo backstage and say that the Creed brothers don't have a shot at In Your House. Do they ever say these guys' first names? Uh, Tiffany Stratton takes on Fallon Henley. Uh, this was a little messy, but they both put up some big moves. Stratton's uh, handspring elbow in the corner, second rope drop kick, and corkscrew elbow were incredible. Henley used a rough and tumble move set mixed with clotheslines and slams. Stratton hit her finisher in the corner and picked up the win in five minutes. Decent match, but this entire tournament has had about 30 minutes of TV time in it total. McKenzie speaks to Carter and Katana. They want a tag title shot. At in your house, but Wendy Chu makes her way into the interview and says she'd like she liked using her sack of balls on Mandy Rose. Okay, uh, I think we got a six man tag coming up. Uh, if I do say so myself, we see highlights of Von Wagner's path of destruction in NXT. He'll face Mister Jacket tonight, aka Jiro. Thea Hale cuts in another vignette style promo about her graduating high school and the WWE allowing her to train while she is in college. I'm still blown away by this. Braun Breaker is approached by Duke Hudson, and Hudson assures him he is not the one playing mind games with him tonight, but he is ready for their match. Braun snaps, and Hudson says Gacy is right about him. He has an explosive attitude. Wagner versus Jiro. Jiro came out swinging, but Wagner chopped him down and then proceeded to squash him in three and a half minutes. Not really a lot to talk about here. Post-match, Wagner continues the beatdown, but Briggs and Jensen come in for the save. Tony D says he's tired of Santos and Legato. He says he's demanding one more meeting, uh, and this time he'll go to Santos. Stacks and dimes object, but Tony says he has it covered. Is this going to be it in your house again? Can we, like, just have it on a regular episode of uh, NXT? Please, please. Robert Stone is backstage bitching about Briggs and Jensen. This mystery girl says that Stone needs to chill and Vaughn can handle whatever happens. And then thank God for Wade Barrett. He says her name is Sophia Cromwell. Toxic Attraction is in their lounge and pissed off. Mandy says that Wendy is a child, and she's a grown-ass woman. JC gives a warning to Carter and Katana. Jeezy says they're jealous and grants them their tag title shot at In Your House. And Mandy agrees for Wendy to get her title match as well. 
Carmelo and Trick are in the barbershop with the crew. Trick is hyping Carmelo up, freeing your house, and in walks Cameron Grimes. Both Melo and Grimes exchange pleasantries and set up their match for In Your House. That should actually be a pretty damn good match. I wish Solo Sukhoi was in it because their triple threat match was great, but I guess no reason to do a rematch of that. Joe Gacy lets his druids know he's proud of them for their continued mind games at Braun Breaker. He says they'll watch the main event closely. We then get a vignette of Giovanni Mincy. This could be good, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Braun Breaker then takes on Duke Hudson. Both guys teed off on one another from the beginning of this match. Uh, Hudson tried to use his high uh, height advantage, but Braun had more power. We saw the Steiner line and suplexes from Breaker, and we saw Hudson with an incredible power slam. The Druids came out the ringside, but Braun quickly took them out. Hudson looked to use a chair. Braun stopped it, took the Druids out again, and then swung the chair at Gacy. Hudson turned Braun around, and Braun landed a chair shot, causing a DQ. Hudson got the win in 11 minutes in a good main event. Post-match, Braun looked upset about what just happened, and Gacy continued to push his buttons. Very good episode of NXT tonight, giving it a 4.5 out of 5, and that's only because some of the matches were a little short, but everything else was actually done perfectly. Now on to AEW Dynamite. Show opens with the cage lowering and MJF making his way to the ring, dressed like a referee. We have Wardlow versus Spears inside the cage. Wardlow does not get to take his cuffs off. And this is what you'd expect from a typical cage match that has MJF as a heel uh, referee and allowing Spears to get shots in on Wardlow. MJF spit in the face of Wardlow and he snapped and ripped off the cuffs and then proceeded to destroy Spears, but Max wouldn't count the pin. Spears accidentally hit MJF with a chair. Wardlow hit a powerbomb and got the win at the nine-minute mark when a new referee slid into the cage. Post-match, Wardlow destroyed all of security in the cage to try to get at MJF. We see the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, walking to the ring. They're talking about the BCC and come up to a stagehand who's wearing a mock shirt. Jericho hits him with a fireball because, well, he's, he's a wizard or some shit. Tony Siobhan interviews... Uh, CM Punk and world champion Adam Page. Punk says he respects Page, and this Sunday will be the biggest match of his career. Page says he doesn't respect Punk, and he's protecting AEW from Punk and all his past problems. Punk tries to get a handshake. They go face-to-face, and then Hangman pushes Punk down. This is their final interview between now and Double or Nothing, and I'm still hyped up for this match. They have got me going at all angles. I can't wait to see what these two guys do. We get a vignette for Jade versus Anna Jay at Double or Nothing. Short but sweet. This is how you should handle these types of segments from here on out, in my opinion. Back in the arena, William Regal joins commentary, and so does Chris Jericho, who has the JSA behind him. Jericho stops uh, Las Vegas from singing Judas, and the crowd boos. I boo, too. We've got Eddie Kingston teaming up with John Moxley to take on Private Party. Eddie and Mox attacked immediately and beat down Cassidy and Quinn. The sheer brutality of this team is absolutely insane. Private Party, Private Party uh, fought back and went to the air with a plancha to the outside and a second rope stunner and a shooting star press that was amazing. Mox and Kingston took control again as Moxley hammered down on Quinn. Eddie had Cassidy in a dragon suplex. Mox got the win with his finisher at the 10-minute mark in a really good match. Post-match, the JSA hit the ring, 
and were met on the ramp by Kingston. Danielson, Santana, and Ortiz come out and make the save. We've got a huge 10-man brawl that went all over the arena. Regal says on commentary that on Sunday night, it will be an all-out war. And by the judging of what just went down, I'd say so. We are from Mark Henry, Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Samoa Joe, and Kyle O'Reilly in pre-recorded comments about the Owen Hart tournament. Henry says Owen would have been proud, but honestly, I'm not entirely sure he would have been. Tournament's been a little messy, but what am I? To, what do I know? FTR takes on Rapungi Vice with the ROH Tag Team titles on the match. This was a technically sound matchup with both teams throwing everything they had at one another in a short period of time. FTR continues to prove why they are the best tag team in wrestling, and Rapungi showed they deserved this shot at the ROH Tag Team titles. Ramiro and Tread hit their finisher, but Cash broke up the pin, and then from out of nowhere, Jeff Cobb and the great Okan of New Japan hit the ring. FTR got the win by DQ. Uh, I wanted more, and I wanted a clean finish, but I guess beggars can't be choosers. The Hardys cut a promo about the Young Bucks. Matt says that they are similar to a point, but that they broke in at a harder time and that the Bucks wouldn't be able to handle. He also said that the Bucks and the Hardys were raised by uh, Christian families and that the Hardys didn't do any drugs growing up and still don't. Um, I call bullshit, Matt. He calls Matt and Nick Hardy cosplayers. Then Jeff chimes in to let them know that a double or nothing, the Bucks are a stepping stone on their way to the tag team titles. We then go to a triple threat match. It's Ricky Starks taking on Shane Strickland and Jungle Boy. This was a three-way. This was three young wrestlers proving themselves, and they did just that. Jungle Boy continues to prove why they are. He says what he is, a true pillar of AEW. Starks is growing into a great heel, and Strickland is proving the WWE wrong. Strickland hit his double stomp on Starks and got the win in nine minutes. Great three-way here. Post-match, powerhouse Hobbs hit the ring and throws Strickland around. Jungle Boy tries to help, um, but he's no match. Luchasaurus and Keith Lee hit the ring, and it's, again, an all-out brawl. Lee hit a splash to the outside on Lucha and Hobbs, leaving himself in Strickland standing. Dan Lambert is backstage with Paige and Sky. He says he is already having a new TNT title made for Scorpio Sky and will present it to the champion this Friday on Rampage. I honestly am intrigued on that one. Tony interviews Don Rosa, and the champion tells Tony that this is real for her. And this is the real her. She doesn't complain, and she's worked hard to become AEW Women's Champion. She calls Serena Deep Petty and is constantly blaming others. She'll have her war paint on on Sunday and will fight for revenge for what she did to Tony, Dustin Rhodes, and herself. Her music comes on before she's even done, and I'm left wondering why she got the Oscar treatment here. Tony is backstage with Red Velvet, and Red isn't too happy about losing to Statlander last week. Ruby Soho then interrupts, to which Red gives her a playbook on how to beat Chris Statlander. Ruby says she doesn't need it, and they'll meet Friday on Rampage. Then we go to the ring for the first of two Owen Hart semifinal matches. Britt Baker and Tony Storm, there were a few hiccups here which doesn't surprise me because they've never wrestled each other and there was way too much hype into this match. Storm is not very good in the ring, but Baker made up for it and used her bag of heel tricks. Storm was looking for Storm Zero, but Britt countered, hit a roll-up, and grabbed the ropes to get the win in the nine minutes. Not the worst, but certainly not the best either. We then go to Samoa Joe taking on Kyle O'Reilly, a great back-and-forth technical battle between two guys who, again, are trying to prove the WWE wrong. 
Joe used his power and took O'Reilly off his feet multiple times, but Kyle kept fighting back. A good, strong style exchange between these two, but Joe got the upper hand again. Kyle tried for his series of kicks, but Joe was inhabitant, hit the muscle buster, and got the win in 14 minutes. Excellent main event here. Post-match, Adam Cole came out on the stage to stare down Joe again, and this was, is going to be a great finals to the Owen Hart tournament. Again, I'll give this week's show a 4.5 out of 5. Some of the matches were a little short, but everything else was used to promote double or nothing this weekend, and can't ask for any more than that. As for AEW Rampage, the highlights are Scorpio Sky does get his new AEW TNT Championship. It is gold with a purple inlay. It is actually pretty snazzy looking. Uh, he granted uh, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, and Frank Gazarin a six-man tag against himself, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zandt at double or nothing. We also saw Ruby Soho beat Chris Statlander in the final semifinals match for the Women's Owen Hart Tournament. The fans booed like crazy, and it was because they wanted Chris Statlander to finally win. Ruby and Britt Baker then exchanged some pleasantries, such as Britt telling Ruby that she cannot win the big one, and Ruby letting Britt know that she has a receipt that she needs to cash on Britt's ass. Uh, we also saw Gangrel uh, make his AEW debut in a one-off. He came out with the Young Bucks, who were dressed like the Hardy Boys to make the new brood. Um, and the Young Bucks defeated their opponents, uh, some enhancement talent, and then turned on Greg Gangrel, which brought out the Hardy Boys, and the Hardy saved Greg Gangrel, and they posed together for pitchers. All in all, it seems like it was a fun version of uh, AEW Rampage going in to Double or Nothing. Um, just a quick show note. Next week will be the Double or Nothing review. That's all I will talk about is AEW Double or Nothing. It is a huge card. There is a lot going on. The World Heavyweight title, both women's titles, the tag team titles, um, a lot of grudge matches, some six-man, a ten-man tag. It's, it's crazy how much is going to be happening at Double or Nothing, so I want to make sure I give it enough time and that I, I truly focus on AEW Double or Nothing. So with that being said, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Um, I want to thank you for the continued support for this show and all the shows on the WrestleNet Radio Network and that are under the umbrella of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Uh, until next time, I will see you next week on If You Smell, what the arch is cooking.